from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Russia has violated the terms of the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty without remorse. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced on February 1st the U.S. is going to withdraw from the INF Treaty because it's getting nowhere trying to talk Russia back into compliance. To this day, Russia remains in material breach of its treaty obligations not to produce, possess, or flight test a ground-launched intermediate-range cruise missile system with a range between 500 and 5,500 kilometers. He also said the U.S. is going to do what's best for the U.S. So, are the U.S. and Russia on the brink of a new nuclear arms race? This isn't a new arms race. Russia kicked this off years ago. We're now starting the R&D and be able to work on those systems that we haven't been able to. Andrea Thompson, Undersecretary of State for Arms Control and International Security Affairs, has led the State Department efforts. And she joins us on this program to tell us what just happened and what's likely to happen next. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. On February 1st, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced the U.S., is going to withdraw from the historic Intermediate-Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, negotiated in 1987 by former U.S. President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev. This after years of discussions, technical meetings, and intelligence sharing to show the Putin regime it was breaking the rules of the treaty. The U.S. knew about it, and it would be best for Russia if it came back into compliance. Moscow refused to do it, prompting the U.S. government in early December to give the Kremlin 60 days to come back into compliance. Here's Pompeo's full statement. At the core of President Trump's foreign policy are a few very, very simple truths. Uh, The security of the American people must be our greatest consideration. The agreements to which we enter must serve American interests. And countries must be held accountable when they break the rules. For years, Russia has violated the terms of the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty without remorse. To this day, Russia remains in material breach of its treaty obligations not to produce, possess, or flight test a ground-launched Intermediate Range Cruise Missile System with a range between 500 and 5,500 kilometers. In spite of this violation, for almost six years, the United States has gone to tremendous lengths to preserve this agreement and ensure security for our people, our allies, and our partners. We have raised Russia's non-compliance with Russian officials, including at the highest levels of government, more than 30 times. Yet Russia continues to deny that its missile system is non-compliant and violates the treaty. 
Russia's violation puts millions of Europeans and Americans at greater risk. It aims to put the United States at a military disadvantage. And it undercuts the chances of moving our bilateral relationship in a better direction. It's our duty to respond appropriately. When an agreement is so brazenly disregarded and our security is so openly threatened, we must respond. We did that last December, when the United States, with strong support from all of our NATO allies, formally declared Russia in material breach of the treaty. I also then provided notice that unless Russia returned to full and verifiable compliance within 60 days, we would suspend our obligation un under that treaty. We provided Russia an ample window of time to mend its ways and for Russia to honor its commitment. Tomorrow that time runs out. Russia has refused to take any steps to return real and verifiable compliance over these 60 days. The United States will therefore suspend its obligations under the INF Treaty, effective February 2nd. We will provide Russia and the other treaty parties with formal notice that the United States is withdrawing from the INF Treaty, effective in six months, pursuant to Article 15 of the treaty. Russia has jeopardized the United States security interest, and we can no longer be restricted by the treaty while Russia shamelessly violates it. If Russia does not return to full and verifiable compliance with the <coughs> treaty within this six-month period by verifiably destroying its INF-violating missiles, their launchers, and associated equipment, the treaty will terminate. Before close, I, I want to give a special thanks to our NATO allies who have stood with us in our mission to uphold the rule of law and protect our people. Their solidarity reflects the historical strength and unity of the NATO alliance. Their support is good for our shared security. It's good for transatlantic unity, and it's good for international peace and security. President Trump is grateful for all that you have done. The United States is hopeful that we can put our relationship with Russia back on a better footing. But the onus is on Russia to change course from a pattern of destabilizing activity, not just on this issue, but on many others as well. The United States stands ready to engage with Russia on arms control negotiations that advance U.S. and allied and partner security and are verifiable and enforceable. Must also include all the partners. They must all responsibly comply with their obligations. As we remain hopeful of a fundamental shift in Russia's posture, the United States will continue to do what is best for our people and those of our allies. Withdrawing from the treaty requires, by virtue of the treaty itself, six months to think about it and be sure that it's something both parties want to do. So where does the U.S. stand on that question? Are the Russians really trying to negotiate in earnest, or is this a part of a long-established plot to goad the U.S. back into a tense confrontation, essentially a replay of the Cold War? Andrea Thompson, Undersecretary of State for Arms Control and International Security Affairs, a retired Army colonel, well-versed in dealing with difficult situations after serving in Iraq and Afghanistan, found Russia's behavior no surprise. Nor was Russia's statement that it too would withdraw from the treaty a day after Pompeo's announcement. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. I mean, we've been engaging for almost six years uh, on the INF Treaty and, and their breach, and they've, they've never come to terms and, and been uh, forthright about it. So I, I wasn't surprised by the fact that they didn't come back into compliance 
by the by the uh, 60-day mark. Um, also, not surprised by uh, their response. They have a tendency to reply with rhetoric and propaganda. Um, the fact that they said that you know they're leaving the treaty, um, they, they left the treaty years ago uh, when they uh, designed, fielded, and uh, manned and equipped those the SSC eight battalions. So mm-hmm. um, again, not not to surprised by it, uh, not surprised by the propaganda. Uh, again, you continue to see through the the, the false statements by Russia, but um, you know we continue to engage. I just got back from a trip. We can probably talk about that, yeah. but have continued to engage with the deputy foreign minister. Uh, again, no no surprises on Russia's response. They still continue to uh, to deny that. Before we get into the engagement, mm-hmm. you mentioned the fact that they'd left this treaty long ago. Uh, and do you get the sense that this is what they wanted? This is what they tried to set up over time by essentially doing what they did years ago, sort of trying to look out over the next few years. They really put this in motion years ago. Well, you know, we've continued to call them out on it over the course of the years. So, um, you know, their their strategy, I think they... they they won't always want to take care of self. They continued to, to field those systems despite two administrations uh, pushing back on it. Um, but I think the, the point of note here is that you know the Trump administration uh, has come forward and said there'll be consequences when you violate arms control treaties. Uh, it undermines the principles of arms control writ large. If parties to treaties violate and continue to violate the treaty and there's no consequences, we've undermined those principles. So uh, we, we called them out on it. And again, as you saw from last week, they, they didn't comply and will continue to, to violate the treaty. What did you do during the course of your tenure uh, to engage with them, to talk with them, to try to reason? Give us a breakdown of what time frame wise and substance wise you did uh, leading up to the announcement by the Secretary of State on the 1st. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've engaged at all levels. Uh, engaged at the President's level, engaged with the Secretary's level, with uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov. I've engaged multiple times with the Deputy Foreign Minister. Uh, our technical experts have met uh, multiple times. And I've met here with the, the uh, Ambassador here in D.C., um, so again, multiple engagements over the course of this administration, but no change in the behavior mm-hmm. from our Russian counterparts. Six months is what the treaty calls for, for uh, withdrawing from the treaty. So what are the actual steps that have to happen uh, d- during the next six months for both the Russians and for the U.S.? Well, the, the, we continue to, uh, you know, to comply with our obligations. Uh, with the announcement of this weekend of uh, suspension, uh, we are now um, free to conduct those R&D efforts and, and military uh, development efforts that we hadn't in the past because we complied the, with the treaty. So uh, really no changes uh, from the Russian side. They still have to get back into compliance. That has not changed from... Uh, months of engagement. We've continued to show them what they need to do to get back into compliance. They know what they need to do to get back into compliance. So there's six more months. It's incumbent on Russia. This is about Russia's violation of the treaty. Russia needs to get back into compliance. Do you have an idea of what quantity-wise they have to get rid of? Exactly what what weapons, troop activities, what they have to do? Uh, Well, I I wouldn't disclose it here, but we have an incredibly strong intelligence community. Uh, We continue to, to note their development of the system the fielding of this system. Uh, we've shared this uh, intelligence with our, our partners and allies. You pr- probably saw the very strong statement uh, from NATO, had also their strong statement in December after the Secretary's initial remarks. Uh, they have multiple, the Russians have multiple battalions of this system fielded. 
our European allies and partners are at risk today because of the actions of, of Russia. So again, our intelligence uh, community and partnership with our partners and allies have a good picture of what Russia's doing. Can you can you say where it's where where it's located? The specifics where it's located is is highly classified, but know that our partners and allies are within range. Today, what's the U.S. doing? What's your next step? What's your next assignment? Well, as as a diplomat, my assignment continues to be the diplomatic engagement uh, with partners and allies and and with my Russian counterparts. We have six more months uh, with this treaty. Uh, as I told the the deputy foreign minister this past week in Beijing, uh, diplomacy's never done. My job is never done. The State Department's mission is never done. We'll continue to engage diplomacy. Uh, it's incumbent upon Russia if, if they'll get back into compliance. And then I leave it over to our, our steadfast partners uh, over at DOD on, on what they're going to be doing. Can you describe that meeting in Beijing? I can. Uh, it was on the, the sidelines of the P5. Uh, so I met with the Chinese, Russian, Brit, and French counterparts. Uh, but I did have a bilat with the deputy foreign minister. Uh, we... We didn't make any headway. Uh, we had some good professional discussions, but still they're not acknowledging the violation. So we talked about other issues as well. Uh, but again, no new news from the deputy foreign minister. They continue to deny it. Just a side note, Secretary Pompeo mentioned in his remarks on uh, the 1st of February that in addition to this situation regarding the INF Treaty, Russia has other things that it needs to clean up before uh, just just to improve on as well. Were you able to discuss any of that kind of material or, or situational? Um, uh, were you able to discuss that? We did. Uh, the, the P5, the, the kind of the foundation behind it is nonproliferation uh, and the, our security of our nuclear program. So we did discuss that in the broader forum, uh, again, within the P5 over a course of two days and the bilateral engagement. We talk about safety and security of our nuclear program. So we did raise that as well. Mm. Any specific issues you can talk about? Well, we called them out on uh, a range of issues. Uh, we talked about uh, cybersecurity. We talked about uh, proliferation of, of systems to malign actors. We talked about the importance of responsible nation states. Uh, we talked about, uh, again, responsibilities of activities in space. Um, but again, the foundation of the discussions was in mm -hmm. nonproliferation and our nuclear program. How would you assess the res just the way in which your counterpart from Russia uh, responded to these things. You said you said it was a professional and good, you know, I guess engagement on that level. But um, rea in realistically speaking, what was the response, and was it even <laughs> was it worth it? Well, I think it's always worth it. I think uh, dialogue uh, and again diplomacy. Uh, you, you can't solve problems unless you're engaged in discussions. And so it was important to meet, again, particularly with uh, the clock ticking with uh, the end of the week. I thought it was incumbent. I'm in a meeting with the deputy foreign minister. Uh, I would be uh, letting the country down if I didn't raise the issue one, uh, one more time. Um, but again, not surprised. I think a, a telling indicator is also the response from our partners and allies. Again, the NATO statement, uh, bilateral messages from partners and allies, calling out Russia, showing information where Russia uh, is is not complying with the treaty. So again, this isn't a unilateral unilateral U.S. decision. Um, and the messaging, you look at the, what our partners and allies are on board as well. So uh, it's up to Russia to get back into compliance. That's been very clear. What did your counterparts say when you told them that? Um, did, was, was that notable? 
Well, shared, shared intelligence infor and information has been uh, a, a significant uh, addition to the, to that, the DNI probably saw his statement yes. uh, and towards the end of the year as we uh, declassified some of that, and that was helpful for for other partners. So uh, now that everyone's looking at that same bit of information, it's it's very clear that these systems have been fielded again. As I, I raised uh, in in Beijing, this isn't an R and D effort. These aren't systems in a lab. These are out in the field with soldiers in uniform manning these battalions. So significant difference between a prototype. Russia's political machine over the years has perfected the art of disinformation and being disingenuous while at the same time appearing professional. And I asked Thompson to characterize the deputy foreign minister that she's been dealing with, given that many of Russia's diplomats in the process of adhering to Russia's line have lied outright. Well, the deputy foreign minister, he's a career diplomat, and he's been working this issue for, for, for years and years. He's well-versed on the topic. He's also well-versed on Russia's playbook, as are we. So no surprises as they continue to, to pull out the playbook that we've followed multiple times now. NATO and U.S. plans. There was a statement shortly after the uh, secretary put his statement out, a, a statement from NATO, which you've mentioned. In that statement, NATO essentially said the same thing that the U.S., you, and the Secretary have said many times. Russia needs to come back into compliance. Uh, NATO, um, according to the Foreign Ministry of Russia this morning, uh, is, is concerned. Um, and I'm not sure where they suddenly got that bit of wisdom from all of a sudden. But they did mention that in some postings that they made this morning. I'd like your view on what, what NATO thinks and what NATO's told you. Well, I'd, I'd always, uh, you know, NATO and the Secretary General speak for himself, but he's he and his team have been very clear, again, from the statements that you saw this past weekend, from subsequent uh, statements he's made in social media, remarks that he's made uh, preceding that statement. Uh, after we engaged with our Russian counterparts in Geneva on the 15th, uh, I led interagency delegation to NATO, where we briefed the NAC, uh, had a meeting with the uh, the Secretary General and his team. And again, very helpful uh, to hear uh, their views, and they were consistent in the messaging. They were appreciative that we've continued to work with partners and allies. We've kept them informed along the way. Um, and again, and hearing their concerns and, ad and addressing those. And, and again, the action of which you've seen, sharing intelligence and information, sending our teams forward uh, to their both bilateral, uh, you know, the capitals and to NATO. Um, so very, very uh, strong relationship between us and our NATO leadership. The secretary mentioned that the U.S., and he said this before, and I think the National Security Advisor has ind indicated this too, uh, and, and you said it when we spoke earlier that the U.S. is going to do what's best for the U.S. I wonder if you could just put that into words for us. What is best for the U.S.? Well, you know, defending the interests of, of the United States, Americans at home, abroad, and our partners and allies is always, uh, again, the, the, the premise and the foundation of everything that, that, that we do. Uh, when we see an action, in this case with Russia violating an arms control treaty, we have a professional obligation to take action on that, and we have. We've called them out properly through the, the steps in the INF while continuing to abide by the treaty, which I think is an important note. The United States, during all of this engagement with Russia, continued to abide by our obligations. Um, again, now that knowing that those systems are fielded, the announcement of the suspension uh, of our obligations will set out on the systems that uh, will con 
help uh, d- defend United States citizens at home and abroad, and, and DOD will do that. Do Americans need to be concerned? And I asked you this before, and you gave a, a very eloquent answer. And I'm going to ask again. I'm assuming it's not changed, but some circumstances have changed a bit. If there is, this is a new arms race, we've heard lots of discussion about it. I know what you said before. I'd like to hear what you have to say today in, in light of uh, what's taken place. Yes, this, this isn't a new arms race. Uh, Russia kicked off the so-called arms race when they developed the system. When we continue to abide year after year after year to the treaty. So we're now just taking the steps that we're allowed to do under that. But again, I remind folks, Russia kicked this off years ago. We're now starting the R&D and be able to work on those systems that we haven't been able to. Pompeo, during his news conference on February 1st, was asked about that very thing. Here's how he responded. Well, the very risk that you identified is the one that we are suffering from today. The Russians are in violation of the agreement. That is their commitment, this, this agreement that's been in place for an awfully long time. Uh, the Russians have been violating. That is, they have begun to move towards what it is that risk you actually have just identified. Uh, and you heard me this morning. We'll continue to have conversations with them. We hope they'll come back into compliance. Uh, we've had conversations at every level, at the senior levels, at technical levels, uh, conversations about the nature of these systems. Uh, uh, there's, there's no mistaking that the Russians have chosen to uh, not comply with this treaty and, and present the, the risk of, of continued arms growth in a way that uh, they had committed to back when they signed this treaty that they would not do. And, you know, if you just have one party to a treaty complying, you're, you're down the path that you described. We will continue to work uh, with the Russians uh, to achieve an outcome that, that gets us to a place. Uh, President Trump very much wants to have an agreement that is verifiable and enforceable on these systems. And, I hope we can convince the Russians it's in their best interest as well. We certainly think that it is. One of the big questions hanging over the situation regarding the INF Treaty is another treaty. The new Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, or the new START Treaty, which provides for the further reduction and limitation of strategic offensive arms. And I asked Thompson how withdrawal from the INF would impact the new START Treaty. Right. So New START is, is in effect till 2021. Uh, and the, the similarities there are that we continue to abide by our New START obligations as, as well. Uh, we met our, our central limits last year. We continue to abide by all the steps that are necessary to stay in compliance with the New START, as we had with INF. Uh, and again, in, in uh, the consistency of, of Russian messaging, they continue to push back and say we're in violation of New START. No one acknowledges that that is true. We continue to have technical experts meetings with New Start as well. Uh, folks say, is it time to extend New Start? We, we have two years uh, to have that discussion. And as you've seen from the Russian violations with INF, that the environment's just not right to begin those discussions. You mentioned what Russia's been saying, and it's almost as if it's a taunt. You know, they, 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 they know what they're doing. They know what they're not doing. They seem to be preying on the breathless nature of life in the U.S. and people counting on people not having time to take a moment and, and, and figure out, hey, wait a minute, this isn't what they say. This is what they did. And they didn't abide by the treaty, blah, blah, blah. So um, what is that a part of your strategy to engage with when you're engaging with them, knowing 
honestly, and forgive me for saying this, but they lie. Well, they, they're, but they're consistent. Uh, they're consistent. That, that propaganda uh, underscores almost every activity uh, we have with our Russian counterparts. Uh, but it's incumbent upon uh, us to, again, just, just the facts, mm-hmm. uh, present them with the intelligence, present them with the information, and share that with our partners and allies. So when you sit down and have fact-based decision-making, it uh, proves much harder for them to, to disprove that. We've laid that out on multiple systems with multiple treaties, uh, as have our, our NATO partners and other partners and allies. So again, I try to see the, the, the fog mm-hmm. through, the, through their fog and that propaganda and just uh, get to the heart of the matter. What's the hardest part of what you have to do now? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a challenging job, uh, d- you know, dis- despite the Russian activity that I know. You know, arms control is incredibly important. It takes committed effort, as do all of our diplomatic engagements here at the State Department. Uh, I think messaging, as you mentioned, with it since 1987, it's been a generational change. So there may be, may be uh, Americans that aren't familiar with what, what the, this means. It's another part of my responsibilities is messaging, um, getting out the, the through social media, through engagements, through think tanks, through opportunities such as this to help clarify and uh, maybe educate folks that haven't looked at this issue for years. And, and do you have a crafted message for the American people about what's at play, what's at stake, and what's happening now? Do you have a central theme? Well, the central theme is we will always uh, we will always take action on what is best for the security and prosperity of the American people, writ large. Uh, period, end of statement. I mean, that underscores everything we do, the safety and security of the American people. Um, Again, and we will push back on uh, foes and and, and friends, quite candidly, if they ever take action that that violates that principle. So we'll stand up for the American people. We'll continue to clarify for the American people where there's there's questions. Um, And again, uh, dialogue and diplomacy is never done. One of the things that's become very clear to me in engaging with some of your counterparts from other countries on other issues as it relates to the U.S., a lot of people seem to think that the U.S. is caught in this moment of chaos, which, in all honesty, we are because of some of the activities that the Russians engaged in around the time of the 2016 election. Has that impacted your ability to get your work done? it's a complex security environment, and it has been, and our, our partners and allies recognize that as well. Uh, it's incumbent upon us to, to share share information, and we've seen that. For example, just got back from the P5, met with my Chinese counterpart, Russian counterpart, uh, the, the Brits, uh, and, and the French. There are areas where we agree, and we will we'll build upon that. And there's areas that we will disagree, and we'll try to, to mitigate that gap. But at the end of the end of the day, we're going to stand up what's best for the American people, um, and that's that's my job. The actions that the U.S. are undertaking, they are reversible. Is that correct? They are reversible. Yeah, the, the treaty's uh, very clear on what's allowed and what and what's not allowed. And so, again, during the six month period, I'll continue to engage if and when uh, the Russians do so. You know, they're. President Putin has said they are, he's no longer authorizing an engagement. So I think that's another telling indicator of where they want to go on this treaty. On the six-month day mark, if Russia hasn't done anything and the U.S. proceeds ahead, what's the first thing the U.S. does? Oh, I would never, never project that. But uh, 
the you know DoD will continue to, to move out on on uh, the research and development of systems, and we'll continue with next steps. Again, I don't like to do, do hypothetical six months is is a long way away in uh, in our diplomatic world. Talk a little bit about the complications when it comes to allies in uh, trying to make. Uh, essentially this effort works? You know, I, th- I think, again, it's another indicator with the strong statement uh, from NATO. You know, there, there's, the members of NATO have, uh, have you know, uh, have their own voice. And the mm-hmm. fact that they've come together uh, with this strong statement, uh, back-to-back strong statements, I may add, the one in December and then, then the one this week, is, again, just a reflection of the strength of the alliance with the strength of, of where we stand with this treaty that every one of those NATO partners has come on board and said, yep, we support this statement and have called out Russia. That was our conversation with Andrea Thompson. Under Secretary of State for Arms Control and International Security Affairs at the State Department. This is a developing story that is much broader than just the INF and START treaties. Russia is at the center of the story, and at the center of Moscow's activities is deception. In fact, on our next program... When America is cornered, whether we corner ourselves or we have outside help, we get really good. It's something I've thought about this agency. Our, this agency is at its best in a crisis. Robert Cardillo, the retiring director of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, giving his last interview before leaving the office. He talked candidly about the intelligence threats the U.S. is receiving from Russia and other nation-states and non-nation-states and how he believes the U.S. will triumph. Coming up in our next episode. That's it for this edition of Target USA. Thank you for joining us and allowing us to pass on information to you regarding the latest threats to the U.S. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact me by email. My email is the letter J, the color green, one word, at WTOP.com. That's jgreen at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. That's at T-U-S-A Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thank you again. Until next time. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.